Well, hello and welcome to From Busy to Rich, the podcast designed to inspire advisors to increase profitability and quality of life. In today's episode, you'll hear Wes talk about how your money can provide rest instead of stress. Wes, how are you today, my friend? I'm really enjoying this day, Andy. I've been looking forward to our time together. Yeah, mine mine as well. And uh, we've had a little break in the recording schedule, but good to be back together. Uh, joined by Justin as well. Justin, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well, sir. It's always a privilege to be here. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, and we're just going to talk for just a minute or two, and then we're going to go right to the talk that you gave, Wes. So maybe give some background to it and um, talk about how this talk encapsulates, summarizes, puts a bow on it for this larger series that we've been working through. Yeah. Yeah. So in this series, Traveling Light, I mean, the big idea of the premise is that all of us go through life and, and, and we have this gap between where we are and where we want to be. And if we don't navigate it well, it can be a really, really heavy life, meaning that you can you can rust out because you get so passive. You don't have a bigger vision than today or, or you can burn out because you're so focused on the future. You don't really enjoy where you are and your way to where you're going. So, so this um, series is, has kind of encapsulated that. We went a lot of different places. Today, I think this message that I did uh, at North Point this year, it, it really just, just kind of wraps the whole thing together about what it means to travel light, uh, certainly as it relates to your money, but not just about money. And so we, we had a lot of fun. This was the third part in a series that everybody can go to North Point's website and get, get, get the other two if they'd like. Um, and, and it was all about having rest for your soul as you do this. So I think, uh, I think everybody's going to really enjoy it. And, uh, and if you want to watch online, you, you can as well, because there's some visuals we throw up. But hopefully the, the verbal tapestry, Andy, is, is there as well for the folks that are listening and, and not watching. Yeah, and I just want to remind you, wherever you, if you're just listening to this, which is fine, audio is great, uh, then in the show notes, there'll be links to other places where you can either watch uh, just on different platforms. Uh, so we encourage you to check that out. So we are going to go ahead and play Wes's message from the Money See, Money Do series entitled Rest for Your Soul. Enjoy. So uh, to kick things off, here, here's what I want to do. I've got, a, I've got a question for you. I want you to think back with me. What was your first job? What was your first job? You, you remember what that was? So for me, I worked at one of these, a blockbuster video, right? So, so just to give you context, I'm 44. I was 15 years old at the time when I was working there. And uh, my job was to put the tapes back on the shelf. Uh, ta- tapes were these things that we, we used to watch mo- movies on. And, and so, I, I, you know, be kind, rewind. We had the stickers. None of you did it. You just would get them all. We'd have to put them in the rewinders. But long story short, our job was to put the tapes on the shelf. And I remember I made $4.25 an hour. That was the minimum wage at the time. And I remember having a thought. And I'll bet somewhere in your life you may have had a similar thought. Where I thought, when I'm making another dollar an hour, I'm going to be rich. I thought, I'm going to have all this extra money. Because at the time, I had a 15-year-old gap between where I was and, and where I wanted to be, you gave me another dollar an hour, it got everything on my list, right? I mean, like, I, I, that was as big as I could think at the time. And funny thing, you would also look at people that were a couple levels above you economically and think, how do these people have economic problems? They should be throwing a party. They have so much more money than I do, you know? And the funniest thing, though, is years later, years later, I was making a whole lot more money. And do you think my gap went away between where I was and where I wanted to be? <laughs> now, in fact, I think it got bigger and more complicated. 
which is one of the truths I want to start off with this here today, because I think it's so relevant to how we live, not just our financial life, but all aspects of life. Is I think there's a truth that all of us, all of us, have a gap between where we are and where we want to be. And that gap never goes away. It just moves. It's, it's kind of like the horizon, right? The, the, the further down you get towards it, it seems like it just keeps pushing out, that I've got this desire in me that I want to create a future that does not yet exist. And the closer I get, it seems like that continues to evolve and change. And actually, I think when we're healthy, this is one of the most beautiful things about people. Because this anticipation, it's, anticipation lives in the gap between where I am and where I want to be. And, and you can have uh, progress that happens in that gap that, that causes you to do things, to want to create a beautiful life, that wants to create things to move in a b- better direction for the future. It's where faith lives, right? Faith is the substance of things we all hope for, the evidence of things we've not yet seen. And I think that's a, there's a certain energy to that. Um, oftentimes when we talk about this, people might say, well, what about being peaceful or at peace with where you are? And, and I agree that you should have that, but I, I think there's a big difference between uh, being peaceful for where you are and passivity. And I think, I think peace has nothing to do with the absence of ambition. I, I, think, I think we were built to make things better. We were built to live in that faith gap and want to stir up a bigger vision than our current today. And I think, I, honestly, if you, if you don't have that, you cannot be at peace. Because I think what you slip into is a state of passivity where your memories exceed your dreams. And that's a really, really heavy way to live. And you can get there, I think, a couple different ways. I think one way is uh, different failures in life. You know, sometimes you, you had a dream you were pushing towards and, and that dream didn't work out. And it just feels like you don't even want to try again. And you find yourself in this heavy place of passivity where you're just sitting where you are, no bigger vision of your future where you want to go. I also think success. Success has the capacity to do this because you might have achieved some things that really were meaningful to you and, and you got to that pinnacle, you got to that point. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like, well, is there anything else? And we slip into this place of, of passivity. In fact, did you, know, did you know there's actually a retirement statistic out there that people who worked all their lives, and maybe that was their, other, their, their gap, they, if I could get to the place where work is optional. And listen, professionally, I help people do that, so I'm not against that at all. I think you should have that as an objective. But, but if, you, if your whole objective is to get there and then you have no, no other thing that you're putting your purpose into going forward, did you know statistically people die? within like five years of retirement because there's no greater purpose. Doesn't mean you have to keep doing what you've always done, but we've got to have a purpose bigger than our current today. Something that we get excited about, that's going to make a big impact, that we think is beautiful. So that passivity is a way that it can cause life to feel really, really heavy. Here's the tricky part. And, and, and this is, we're going to have some fun with this today because the tricky part is the opposite can be equally as heavy. Um, I am an Enneagram 7, and if those of you who don't know what that is, it's like an ancient personality profiling system. And all you need to know about a 7 is that I, they call them an enthusiastic visionary. So this is more my problem. I can get so far into the future with where we could go and what's possible that I'm not paying much attention to today. I'm not even happy with where I am on my way to where I'm going because I'm so future focused. And many of you in the room, you know, super high achievers, people that get, you know, super excited about progress in the future, it gets really easy to do that where you're so focused about where you're not that you're not even enjoying where you are. And here's the thing with that. That's heavy too. Because, because what did we say in the beginning? <laughs> All of us have this gap between where we are and where we want to be. That, that never goes away, it just moves. So if I'm waiting for some fictitious end to get to, like I think of once I achieve this level of success or accomplish this or do this with work or money or whatever it might be, that eventually I can, then I can, I can rest. I will spend my entire life in a state of unrest because you're on a journey that will not stop this side of eternity. And I need to understand that I can live heavy in both because I'm so focused on the future, I don't enjoy where I am. 
Also, I can get so passive that it's heavy. I'm just not, my, my, my vision is not non-existent. My, my dreams exceed my vision. And that means the end is near. So in both accounts, here's what life can somewhat feel like. Life can become a series of never-ending problems we're trying to solve rather than an amazing, an amazing adventure we get to pursue. And, and, and none of us want a life like that. When you set out and you think about the future you're in, you're gonna, I want things to feel just heavy. I want it to feel like it's never going to end and I can't get to the next thing or I'm so passive where I'm at and I'm super, super heavy. And, and we weren't designed to live that way. We were designed, I believe we we're invited by, by Jesus to actually live light. And, and we're going to talk about some things that actually contribute to our capacity to do that when we're, when we're walking through life and following Jesus as it relates to our money, but also as it relates to all the other big areas of life that we care about. In fact, there's a, there's a great quote that I think sets up walking light or living life. It's by Lou Holtz. If you guys don't know Lou Holtz, he was a really, really successful coach. Now you might see him on college game day uh, before any of the, the, the games that we get played. And he said, it's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way you carry it. All of us are going to live this life of a gap between where we are and where we want to be. Whether we live it light or whether we live it heavy is all dependent upon how we condition ourselves to carry it. We condition ourselves to carry it. And so in, in my life and in your life, I, I believe that we can condition ourselves and, and I believe Jesus gives us some insights into how to do this to where we can live life as it's an exciting adventure we get to pursue rather than a never-ending set of problems we get to solve because that's Jesus' invitation to us. He said, I've come that you might have life. I've come that you might have it to the full. I, and, and that light kind of life, if we, can, if we can get in contact with, with what Jesus' best for our life was, when we come to navigating that gap, it doesn't mean it goes away. It still will move. But when you travel it, you've got an eager anticipation and you've got a gratitude about where you are on your way to where you're going that just helps you travel light. And so I want to unpack this for you. I'm going to take you a couple places, but I want to show you what is one of my favorite areas of Scripture that, that, that was recorded by Matthew. It was in a talk that Jesus was doing and a teaching that he was giving. And, and Matthew, we're going to talk a lot about Matthew in the Overtime Podcast, by the way, because um, Matthew's perspective, you know, he, he traveled with Jesus, and, but before, beforehand, he was a tax collector. And so he viewed things from an economic lens, and, and tax collectors were not looked well upon back in those days, you know, and not that... All of you are super excited about them today, but it's, let's just say that, that, that back then it was like a really corrupt IRS agent is the way they were looked upon. And in fact, when people would talk about them and they'd say, hey, you got the tax collectors and the sinners. And it's the sinners didn't even want to be in the same category as the tax collector, right? So it was like this, this dance. So Matthew says a lot about things and his observation of what Jesus said when it comes to money and economics. And we're going to talk a lot about that in the Overtime Podcast. But this is one area that's so, so in line with what we're talking about today that I think we need as context. And, and it's found in Matthew, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you think about what's all in this, this is pretty amazing because a yoke, a yoke in and of itself says, take my yoke upon you. A yoke was used to like put livestock in, right? Some animals in, and it was designed to go somewhere. So this is not a, an exercise in passivity. This is not saying, hey, just be happy with where you are. You know, just sit where you are right now. It, it, it's an ex exercise in a vision of, hey, we're going to go somewhere together. So that thing in you and that thing in me that, 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 that like creates the faith we need in order to move forward, that's there by the hand of God. So, so whether you recognize that or not, whether you're Jesus follower or not, it's one of those things that stirs up in you and me because it was there by the hand of God. And the exciting part about that is we get to go wherever we're going to go in this future that we get to create. But at the same time, he says, you don't have to wait till you get to some fictitious destination. 
Take my yoke upon you and you'll find rest. You'll find peace. You'll find quiet. And you'll travel, you'll travel light. Because I know all of you in the room, we kind of got an idea whether we say it this way or not is we love life to be an exciting adventure we get to continue to pursue instead of a never-ending heavy set of problems that never gets solved. We, we can travel light, and, and I think Jesus gives us a window. He gives us a way in in order to accomplish this. So to do this, I want to I ask you a question, and this might feel like a right turn. It's not. I promise you we're, we're, we're going somewhere. And this is actually really funny because of, of what happened in the interchange here. What would all of you do if right now I sneeze? Say, bless you. That's what y'all did earlier when there was a sneeze right up front. And, and you know, the funny thing is that wasn't a plant. That was like, it just live happened. So it's God's will, right? So that's what I'm saying. And, uh, but what I love about that is, is why? You don't know either, do you? No, no, none of us know. And in fact, we were having dinner, uh, I don't know, several weeks ago and somebody around the dinner table sneezed. And my mom, my mom actually asked me, why do we say that? Because somebody, everybody else said what we all say. We say, bless you. And so nobody knew the answer. So here's what I did. I went to that bastion of truth, which is the internet. And I Googled it. And it turns out, turns out for thousands of years, this has been going on in a variety of different countries and a variety of different languages. And, and, and there are three primary reasons, three primary reasons that, that we say, bless you, when somebody sees us. Um, one of them is, is it's a sign of well-wishing. So it, it's like if you, if you were sneezing, it could be a sign, not always, but it could be a sign that you're coming down with something. And so people would be like, hey, be well with you. I, I hope you're healed. I, I hope things go well. I hope you're not getting sick. Kind of oh, a sign of well-wishing. Um, the, the, the second, which is not quite as popular as the first, but it's a little freaky, is it was, it was thought to be a sign in some places of an evil spirit either exiting you or coming on in. Which I think is pretty creepy, right? So if, you, if, you, if, like, if you've ever seen someone sneeze, it, it looks kind of like an evil spirit, right? And so it's like, if everyone sneezed on you, you felt like it was an evil spirit, right? It's like, but if that was true and you knew some evil spirit was coming out, you'd be like, bless you, you know? It's like, what do we need to do here to not get attacked? Or if it's coming in you, it's like, bless you. I don't want this you know, thing coming to me. So, so I think those are fun, but, but by far, by a landslide, they are not the most popular reasons. The most popular reason, single most popular reason out there is because we all inherited that response. That's it. You never decided it, nor did I. We grew up and people around us were doing it. They didn't know why either, but we kept saying it. We carried on this tradition. And, and, and isn't it true, isn't it true that for most of us in many, many areas of our life, that we live by default rather than by design. We do. And, and I think there's some good things here too because you've all you know, grown up and maybe in, in your household something like, uh, something like exercise was a priority growing up. You just saw your parents do it, you did it, and, and you, you really never questioned it. You just, and you carried that on with you into adulthood. And that's actually a really good thing to inherit by default. Even if, even if the younger version of yourself had instructed you to do something and it was a positive attribute that actually led you to better success, that's a good inheritance, right? That's, that's a good default setting to live by. Um, but, but if we're not careful and we do our completely do life by default rather than by design, then we can run into some problems because there are also plenty of things, don't you know, that, that we have inherited either, either from other people or from culture or from the younger version of ourselves, a decision we might've made that it isn't doing us so much good anymore. And, and, and maybe we need to examine life in a way that helps us understand of all those things that we do, one, why do we do it? And what maybe is still good we need to keep around? What might need to be replaced? And what might need to be done away with 
if we're going to continue to move in the direction of this gap where it's light and where it's an exciting venture we get to pursue, when we're working with advisors, we train advisors to, to help them help people increase their profitability and quality of life. One of the things, one of the things that's so fun is, is we'll go through this exercise and we call it normal and new. So all of us in this room have a normal. We have a current way we go about approaching life in all the areas of life that we care about, right? Whether it's financial life, relationships, professional life, physical health, spiritual life, all, all the big areas we care about. And, and, and we, it's our default, right? It's, it's, it's muscle memory. It's pattern life. And, and for some extent, we, we need that. Now, all of us can also have a new. A new is a future different way of doing all that same stuff. And this is what I think is just a really important statement. One of, the, one of our, our greatest opportunities to recognize our future possibilities is not about abandoning your normal, necessarily. It's also not about rejecting new. It's about keeping tension between the two. It's about living a well-examined life to determine what of that default do I want to keep, what do I want to throw out, and what new do I want to blend in that may actually help me by design take things to a new level. Because if not, if not, what can happen is we may end up, let me ask you, when's the last time any of you rented a movie from Blockbuster Video? Right? Didn't going to happen. You know why? Because at one point they were a great home entertainment company. And, and, and they had a normal that they'd built, a muscle memory way of making progress and success. And then all of a sudden they quit asking the question, right? They quit, they quit doing life by design and just were doing it by default. And in so doing, they became beautifully prepared for a world that no longer existed. And there are things in my life and things in your life that we probably need to update. We probably need to upgrade because we're operating off old software that maybe was even useful at a time, but now where we want to go and who we've become, maybe we need to update that and move to a new place. And so, so to do that, to live, to instead, so I just want you to flip it around, basically. I just want you to live life by design rather than by default. I want you to live life by design rather than by default. And that just requires a little bit of forethought, a little bit of time and attention. And what I want to give you today is an exercise that I've just seen be super, super useful in the life of many, many high performers. And not just high performers, but you know, there are some people, they may do some things successfully that, that you would like. You'd like to have their money or you'd like to have their business or their situation in, in a variety of different conditions, but you wouldn't want their life. You don't like who they are, right? And, and, and so I'm talking about there is ways where we can not only, not only get a lot of great progress in the future, but we can become something we're proud of in the process. And we can actually enjoy that gap between where we are and where we want to be in a way that's light, where we can have fun with it, where it's not a task-centered dread, an endless set of problems that we're constantly trying to solve. And this is true with our money, and it's true in every other aspect of life. And so, so we're going to talk about this exercise. It's really two parts. Okay, so first part is this. Is I want you to design an exciting vision and a grateful condition. An exciting vision and grateful condition. So, so if, you, you know, if you've ever studied uh, King Solomon, if you... If you, if you are interested in like having an above average life financially. Um, King Solomon's a great person to study. He was one of the wealthiest people to ever live. And if you've ever bought a person, like a success book, if you're a reader, you maybe you're, you're, you're not a Bible reader, you don't know, you're here because somebody promised you lunch. So God bless you. And uh, you're here because somebody promised you lunch. And, and, but, but let me just tell you, if you've ever bought a book and, and you've read it because you thought it would make you your life better, make you better at life, I would, I would read the, some of the writings of Solomon because he was super successful financially. And one of the things he's, he noted in one of his books is without a vision, people perish. Without a vision, people give up on life. They become passive. And, and one of the things we're invited into is not to live a passive life. So this designing a, a exciting vision, designing exciting vision in grateful condition is critical is critical in order to not only achieving the things you want, but also being happy with the process that you're going through. So here's what I would invite you to do. I want you to do this. In all the big areas of life, create a three-year vision. 
a three-year vision. In all these areas of your life, I want you to write out a day in the life of you, a week in the life of you, a year in the life of you. In all these big areas we care about, our financial lives, our professional lives, our physical lives, our relational, relational lives, and our spiritual lives. Because all these, and the reason they're overlapping is these all touch, don't they? I mean, some of us, and I can tell you myself, I've been historically good at really focusing in on one area, just the way I'm wired, like the business area. But if I'm not careful, I'll so focus there, I don't give enough time and attention to the other circles. So you have to do this in a way where all of them touch in order to really be fulfilled. Because, uh, you know, you, you've probably seen stories, and I could tell you a lot of them, where people may have spent the early part of their life focusing on getting wealth and neglecting their health. And then they spent the last half of their life giving back all that wealth to regain their health. Or maybe they, they wanted to build a really impactful business and so they spent all their time focusing on the vision there and moving towards that while all the time neglecting the relationships of the people they cared about most. And you'll never be happier than the quality of your relationships. And so this has got to be holistic. It really does. So it's like when, when we're talking about money see, money do. Um, one of the things we could not get out of this series not do is talk about that you've got to look at it holistically. Money is a part. It is a means, right? It's not an end. But, but it is a part, and it is a pretty important part that we need to talk about, but you've got to talk about in relationship to everything else if you're going to live a holistic, fulfilling life. So create that vision, really, and really have some fun with it. I mean, flavor it with the mood you're in, and, and, and a couple, couple cool goals I'd tell you is don't just have getting goals. Getting goals have becoming goals, too. So getting goals, getting goals are important. Getting goals are like, I want to get to the place where we're saving 10% of our income into investments, right? That could be a good getting, getting goal. Or I want to get to the place where we're giving away 10% of the income that we make. Or I want, to get, I want to get to the place where work has become optional. And I'd like to keep it that way if it already is. Those are great. Have those goals. I want you to have those goals. Um, but don't do them solely without having becoming goals. Because what are you becoming in the process of what you're pursuing? What are you becoming in the process of what you're pursuing? Because no, I don't think any hands would go up in this room if we'd say, hey, yeah, you hit your great getting goals financially, and I became a super greedy person, right? That's not nobody's list. You know, nobody says, I hope I'm just super greedy. No, we say, well, we'd like to be generous, and, 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 and greed, while we're on the greed thing, we'll, we'll play this out, because it could be any aspect of life, but, but greed, Buck talked about last week, is one of those things that's so difficult to see in the mirror, and I think I know why. I think I know why. You know why? I think it's because we never like compare ourselves to generous people when we don't want to feel greedy. We compare ourselves to other greedy people. Like people that are greedier than us or, or in fact, this is a fun like exercise. You ever watch the show American Greed? Anybody? It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, I love it. Like I, maybe too much sometimes. But, but I, it's like these great stories and you can go, uh, go to YouTube and put American Greed. You'll get like a ton of them today and then you'll be in the YouTube hole for like the rest of the afternoon. But this, you could say this is church research, right? So it's, it's fine. <laughs> So, so you get in there in American Greed, it's like these terrible, terrible stories of people that defrauded charities and, and people that trusted them in their lives that they cared about and, and just lived in this way. You're going, oh my God. But here's the other thing. When you're done watching it, you leave and go, I'm a pretty good guy, you know? I mean, I'm pretty, I am so generous relative to the American Greed. In fact, here's a quote from American Greed. His lust for money, fast cars and women cost him to embezzle $25 million from friends, family, and charity. That's a real quote from, from actually something that happened in America. And the guy's voice is like super deep. So he's like, and charity. So it's like, you, you just feel like the weight of the greed on it. And it's, and it's like, I'm a pretty good person. And, and, and or you watch movies. Did you guys, any, anybody ever see The Wolf of Wall Street in here? It's okay. Your buck's not here. You can raise your hand. It's, uh, it's fine. 
The Wolf of Wall Street, you know, and, and played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and, and, and uh, it was about Jordan Belfort. True story, true story. And this guy defrauded, basically using different market things and getting a unique group of people around him. Um, and, and they, they embezzled, or basically embezzled from people in the markets millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. And then the, the lifestyle and everything along with it. You watch that, you watch Wolf of Wall Street, and you just leave there going, I am a saint. I just feel so, I'm so generous. In fact, you want to see, uh, there's a quote from the Wolf of Wall Street. We couldn't quote anything from the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, there, there was not a word, not in church anyway. So, uh, no, but it is true. So, so listen, whatever it is, have, have those getting goals and becoming goals, build that vision, make this exciting. This is the future you're going to design. You're not just going to default into something. You're not going to let life happen to you. You get to decide. You get to create. You're created being by a created being. So you get to do that. And Jesus invites you into that. Let's go somewhere together. Let's create the vision. And let's talk about not only where we want to go, but who we're becoming in the process of what we're pursuing. And then I want you to back it down because you need to make it real tangible. I want you to do a 90-day milestone. So if you have this big three-year vision, uh, weight loss is a really easy one. So we'll use that one. Let's say you want to lose 50 pounds. Um, in three years, well, in, in 90 days, maybe three pounds is good. You know, so maybe, maybe that's the 90-day milestone. Whatever it is, in all these different areas, come up with it. Just decide it for your life. And then I need you to back down and say, now, what am I tangibly going to do about it? What's the one thing I'm going to do about it? So that means I'm going to take a walk 30 minutes a day, five days a week. It may be I'm changing my diet or, or you know, whatever it is. Financially, financially, it's like if I want to save 10% of my income, maybe I start with 1% over the course of the next uh, 90 days. And, and, and maybe I, I do a, a, a spending plan. And we're going to talk a lot about that in the overtime, all these strategies and tactics, because depending on where you are in your journey, um, some are going to be more relevant than others. There are foundational things like Buck talked about in, in weeks one and two that, you know, I mean, the, the, the give, save, live is a pretty good template for putting you in a position to receive the kind of future that, that probably you would say you would want. Um, so, but we'll, we'll go through all those things, but, but, but just figure out what is the one thing I can do. And don't get 50 things either. Because listen, if we go from being on autopilot in all the areas of life to all of a sudden we're like having to consciously think and it's like new, new is a different, new is like remodeling a house while you're living in it. You ever done that? It's messy, it's, it's inconvenient, it's less effective than you just left stuff alone. But long-term, there's a cost to not changing as well. And so, so think about how you intentionally design the future that you want to evolve to. Okay, and then, and then part two of this. So once you've got all that, and this is probably, I mean, it's as important as anything else. Then I want you to renew your mind to the exciting vision and grateful condition. Renew your mind to the exciting vision and grateful condition. So what's that mean? It means getting up and taking 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes, um, and reading your vision to yourself. Both, both the big picture three year and then the 90 day and then what you're gonna do about it. Because you know what that does? It really does, it, it creates capacity for you to navigate in an excited way into the day. And oftentimes we need to be reminded far more than we need to be instructed, isn't that true? Because in, in our lives, isn't it sometimes not like a great new idea that changes your life? It's like reminding yourself of one that you already knew was good. You just weren't doing it. And, and so it's, it's so critical to remind yourself of those things. The reason oftentimes we trade what we want ultimately for what we can have immediately is we just forget about what we want ultimately. So this is like an easy way to put a guardrail around your thinking first thing in the morning to where you remind yourself of where am I going? Who am I becoming in the process of what I'm pursuing? And what did I say I was going to do about it? And then, and then you get to step into the day. And, and the great thing, just that awareness alone makes you make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. Isn't an awareness amazing? Like if you think about, you ever download one of those diet fitness apps on your phone? 
I mean, I, about every year, you know, it's a New Year's resolution, right? So I download that sucker and, and it makes you weigh yourself every day and it makes you, you got your like ideal weight and it tells you if you basically do these things, you'll probably get there. But I'll tell you, I, I quit entering the food after like, you know, the second day because I just get done with it. But, but the awareness of where I am relative to where I said I wanted to go automatically makes me make better decisions and live a few regrets that day because it's just awareness. That's, that's the power of a good vision is it gets you excited, gets you fuel to do things that you're going to need to do in order to get where you want to go. And it makes life light. It makes life where it's not a task-centered dread. It's a problem that never gets solved. It's an exciting adventure that we get to pursue. But then you got part two. Part two of this is you're going you're gonna to design, you know, not, not just your vision, but also your grateful condition. Grateful condition. This is one that's a big deal. Grateful condition is where you write out every single thing right now that you are so grateful for. The people in your life, the things that you've seen come to fruition in your life. I, I, I actually have a, a friend of mine uh, who I shared a speaking platform with, and we had dinner one night, and he coaches uh, collegiate athletes, and, and coaches that coach collegiate athletes are really on the mental side of their game. Because, you know, in, in high school, they were all the best athlete in their school, and then they get to to college and they're surrounded by everybody was the best athlete in their school and so a lot of times they run into these like great depressions and 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 a big part of what activity he makes them do and the science that's behind this is just amazing is he says i want you to write out everything that's happened from the time you were 15 to now that you're excited about that you that you're proud of and and the people in your life that you're grateful for and they go through that they walk through those things and, and then when they're done he says now let me ask you a question if you were to go back in time and tell the 15 year old version of yourself all these things were going to happen. Would you be happy? Every single one answers the same way. They say, absolutely. He says, then why aren't you? It's because we, we aren't reminding ourselves. We're not putting ourselves, designing a grateful condition. And while we're going to have big dreams, it's not an absence of ambition. We also need to take time to count our blessings. We need to think about the things that we have in our life that we once prayed for, that are sitting right next to us, right? That sometimes frustrate us. But, but in our life, in my life, in your life, if we can create this grateful condition, we're going to fill up our emotional gas tank. Because here's the other thing I want to hit, and this is really important. And maybe the version of Christianity you grew up with didn't talk about this, and it may be why you didn't hang out in that version of Christianity, because it wasn't actual Christianity, is that, that if you believe in Jesus, start following Jesus, you will never have any problems. Not, everything's going to go the way you thought it should go, as you said to yourself, and nothing else will disturb it. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. Nobody puts that on a bumper sticker, right? Nobody puts that on their mirror to like inspire them in the morning. Um, but he said, he said, but fear not, fear not. I've overcome the world. And, and, and what I love about that is, is when, when we focus in on what's been, what we're grateful for, what we're excited about, and, and, and we actually give thanks for that, all of a sudden it fills up that gratitude gas tank and emotional gas tank because when you walk into the day, especially if your vision's big, you are going to face headwinds. You will face left turns and right turns. Some days things will go really well. But let's face it, anything worth doing, there are challenges. There are things that you're going to have to have and things that you didn't, could do nothing about. Now, I will tell you, I think following Jesus helps us avoid some of those avoidable regrets. Um, but, but there are unavoidable things that pop up that you go, wouldn't have this in my story, but I'm so present about where I've come from and happy about that and I'm excited about where I'm going. I'll just walk through it. You ever, you ever run across people and you, they're in like a, a really difficult season of life, but you wouldn't really know it because the way they carry it is so light. In fact, you could see two people going through two identical tracks in life that, that certainly none of us would write in our stories or want, but one of them just does it light. And the other one, it's just miserable. But both are going through the same thing. But we get to decide. We can decide how we navigate the gap between where we are and where we want to be. And for it to be an exciting adventure we continue to pursue financially and all these other areas of life we care about, 
having renewing your mind to that exciting vision and grateful condition is critical. There's a really funny book. Um, it's a good book. I'd recommend it. It's called The Noticer, and it's Andy Andrews' book. And one of the things, he's this a young man, and he's going through a really difficult time in his life, and he's kind of walking with what the father figure is. His name is Jones. And, and they're walking outside, and it's really cold, and they're walking next to a swimming pool. So this swimming pool, you know, imagine middle of winter, and not in Texas, except for the snowmageddon, but the, outside of that, it's cold, right? It's super cold outside. And he's complaining and grumbling, and, and Jones looks at him, and they get next to the pool, and he pushes him in the pool, to which he's shocked, right? This is his mentor, his, his, his coach, the guy who's really been developing, and he comes out there, why? He says, what'd you do that for? He said, well, you know, it occurred to me, I might not always be around to help you with your thinking. So I want you to know one thing. Every single day, every single day for the rest of your life, somebody is going to push you in the swimming pool. You might as well decide right now how you're going to endure it. And I believe that. You know what? To some extent, every day, somebody's going to push you in the swimming pool. And so don't act like that's not there. When we have a good gratitude gas tank and exciting vision about where we're going, it just makes us travel over those bumps really, really light. Really, really light. So, so I, I love this. And, and I think to kind of... Uh, wrap this up. And again, we'll, we'll be doing overtime and, and, and later. Uh, I want to tell you a, a story about someone in, in my life who I've just seen his entire life travel really, really light. Um, and, and, and I could tell you story after story, but I want to tell you like one of the most difficult stories I've ever seen him go through uh, in, in his life. And it's my dad. Uh, and my dad, gosh, in 2017, uh, I get a phone call from my mom at two o'clock in the morning, which she knows never like a, hey, just checking in, everything's fine. You know, it's, it's like, this is, this is bad. And so long story short, He's helicoptered to the hospital. They, they diagnose him with bacterial meningitis, give him about a 10% chance of living. Uh, through, the, through the course of many months, uh, it was back and forth. Sometimes they were saying, you might want to get all your relatives here to say goodbye. Uh, lost his pulse once, called code blue, had a tracheotomy in, got pneumonia. Uh, I mean, this on and on and on. And, and until one day, he just started kind of turning the corner. And he was kind of out of it. He always calls it his little vacation where he was gone. And then all of a sudden, he woke up one day, right? And, uh, but, but when he did woke up, when he woke up and he was ready to go home finally, he looked like this. And, and, and this was, a, I went through a lot of pictures that some of them were just gross. You couldn't even look at him here in church. So, so uh, but he looked like this. And, and, and here's what they said. They said, well, yeah, he can go home. He might never see correctly again out of his right eye, which is why you see he's got that, that, that patch on it. And, and also, he will probably never walk without the assistance of a walker. Um, and, and to let you know where my dad was at before that, he, he's run like Pikes Peak Marathon. That's up Pikes Peak and back down multiple times. So he's a really healthy guy. And, uh, and always outdoors, loves adventure, loves those kind of things. So, so this, I guess, and they said, and you'll probably never be able to eat again because the, the tubes that had gone down his throat had so damaged his uh, epiglottis, I think is what it's called, that it wasn't functioning correctly. So he had what he affectionately called Philip, which was his tube that went in his stomach that he would fill up with protein powder. Yeah, that's dad joke, right? So, um, but, but he, so he had all that. And listen, my dad loves to eat. If you're around him, you will know that like, he loves to exercise and eat, which is good because they, they go well together. But he couldn't do that. But if you were to talk to my dad in those moments, with, now he, he never for a moment believed in his head that he couldn't overcome those things with, with Jesus' help. He, you know, he believes in miracles. He believes that you can overcome everything, um, that it's possible. But he also knows that, hey, even if he doesn't, he says, I, I have a big vision of where I want to go. I want to run again. I want to be able to exercise. I want to be back to my full. I want to eat again. But even if he doesn't, let me tell you about what I'm grateful about. And you never get around him. 
without him talking to you about how many things he was appreciative of that had happened in his life. And, and, and he just had this grateful spirit about him. He was just traveling light. And every day I saw him work. Some days he stood up for five minutes today on my own before I had to sit down. And, and, and I was able to, to, to go, go outside today and, 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 and walk without assistance for a little time. Now, now here's, I'm going to fast forward to the end so you can kind of see where he is at today. Here, here's another picture we took about six months later. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, and, and he's in the audience. He's sitting right over there if anybody wants to go. Like, he's like a walking miracle, right? But, yeah. So, but, but the most important part, I, like, I love that this recovery happened, and he runs and, and eats a lot now. And, and so, uh, he's, every it is, he's like, where are we going to lunch? And so, it's, it's, so we, we share that. But here's what I want you to hear. That guy holding the fish had the same spirit that the guy with the neck brace on had. Because he had this idea, this idea that Jesus invites us into, that he was going to have an exciting vision, but also a grateful condition. And this works, like we're going to talk a lot about money, so I know we kind of go a lot of places here, but it has to be in the context of your whole life next week when, on, on overtime. But man, if you can do this, if we can get this one thing right, this is what it means to follow Jesus. As, as Jesus said in Matthew, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you're gonna find rest for your souls. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have a big vision about where you're going and have a deep, deep gratitude about where you are on the way, and you're gonna travel light, and you're gonna follow in the steps of what your heavenly Father invites you to follow in an inheritance. Well, we really do hope that today's episode has helped you experience rest, instead of stress, no matter where you're at in your life right now. And if you enjoyed today's show, would you mind leaving us a review? And if you're one of the first five people to do that, and then send a screenshot of your review to info at westyounglive.com, we're going to send you free access to one of Wes's on-demand courses. So take a screenshot of your review and send it to info at westyounglive.com. And as always, thanks for listening.